Leslie Dirksen, and I'm one of the hosts of the Compel podcast. Today, we're sitting down with Shannon Talbot, a missionary from the Philippines. She shares about motherhood and ministry and being content. So welcome to the Compel podcast, how ordinary women spread the gospel story. here with Leslie Dirksen, and today we have Shannon Talbot with us. Great to have you here, Shannon. It's good to be here. And I met you just a couple weeks ago, and we've been together working on Off the Grid. And how has that been for your, you and your family? It's been great to be here and uh, be a part of these young people who are looking to serve the Lord and find their place in bringing the gospel to other people. And it's just been a real encouraging time. And so that brings us to this interview and this time with you for you to share with us um, the work that Chuck and yourself have done over the years in the Philippines. So if you could just start into that and just tell our listeners um, how you got into missions. Missions just seemed like the natural thing to do after I was saved. And when I um, learned that other people around the world hadn't heard the gospel, it was really challenging to me that all these people didn't know anything about what Christ did for them. And I had relatives that knew about it, but they had never told me. So I thought, wow, I need to go and tell other people. We kind of have a little bit of a story of Chuck bringing me to the Lord when I was just 16 years old. Um, And Chuck had already been challenged from when he was a young age to go and share the gospel. And so it just became very natural that we would go together and be missionaries. I love that. He led you to the Lord. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty funny, actually. And um, yeah, I was just 16 years old. And we were married just after I was 18. And um, but it took us a while to get um, to the field. And um, it's just a a journey of the Lord walking with us and growing us as we um, sought him to be able to go to the Philippines. And why did you guys choose to go to the Philippines? What led you guys there? Nothing real particular. Um, We'd been praying about it for a long time as to where we should go. And we met some missionaries, um, Peter and Kathy Baker, while we were here um, in our missionary training. And I was really excited about the Philippines. um, One of our criteria for a field was to go somewhere that had a boarding school. Um, Our children were quite young, but I wanted to have the option to send our kids to boarding school when they got into high school. And that was one of those things with the Philippines that they had. Um, The other thing was that we laugh about it now, but Chuck had always dreamt about going to an island in the Pacific. (laughs) And when I finally said to him, hello, 7,100 islands in the Philippines, let's uh, go there. Uh, It took him a little bit longer to really uh, feel like that's where God wanted him to go. But um, it's been an exciting country to be in. Mm. Okay, so you guys got to Philippines and then you guys chose to serve among the gut dung people. Did I say that right? Uh, to the gut dung. Gut dung. Yeah. When you read it, it looks like it's saying gut dung. But when you said it, it sounds completely different. Do you have a tip for that? <laughs> There's an old commercial. I don't, maybe it's still even out there. That was the gut milk commercial. And yeah. so we always say, think of that. Gut milk, gut dung. Gut dung. So. Like gut dung. Gut dung. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's really helpful. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, it's a glottal stop. But I feel like most people are like, glottal stop. That's <laughs> What's not helpful, okay, right? Nobody, you can't see that either. Nobody knows that. <laughs> oh, that's gay, though. 
Um, we actually were asked to fill a support role in our first year of being in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Um, we had always been open to the Lord, to where he wanted us to go. And we were challenged to seek out tribal missions and being church planters, but also be open if God would lead us somewhere else. And when we arrived in the field, they had an immediate need for a supply buyer and mm-hmm. bookkeeper. Um, so we decided when we were asked to do it, the um, leadership said, well, could you fill this role for a year or two um, so that we don't have to pull out missionaries from mm-hmm. their tribal works? And we were just happy to do whatever God would have us to do. So that our first year was spent um, doing uh, the supply buying and the guest house uh, a little bit. Um, so that was a, a busy time for us and a good adjustment time. And the Lord just led our heart to Northern Luzon to be able to serve there. Um, we also then had to learn Tagalog, which was the, is the national language of the Philippines. And so we spent two years doing that. Um, from there, the Lord just led us to some possible works. We had to, three options to choose from. One of those was reopening an existing work. They had uh, tribal believers, but they really needed some discipleship. Mm-hmm. In years past, the missionaries had to pull out because of safety. Mm-hmm. Um, so they wanted to open that work again. Uh, another one was an existing work that just needed um, missionaries as well. And then there was the Gatdang, and it was a new work that um, needed missionaries. They hadn't had any missionaries in there in the past. Um, we were a full team, so uh, we had another family and a single lady, and we did the surveys together, and we talked about it and prayed about it and went to our leadership, and we just felt like the Lord was leading us to the Gatdang. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was an amazing journey to go through that and see where he would have us go. What year did you guys finally move in there? We started building uh, houses in 2009 and we moved in in 2010. And is it a fairly remote um, location? Remote? Yeah. Um, you can get there by land. There is a farm to market road. Um, when we first started moving in there, it was muddy probably 10 months out of the year. Um, so there was no vehicles able to get in and out for 10 months. So um, at that point, we didn't have flight service in the Philippines. So we had to travel by land. And so we would hike um, seven to 10 kilometers, depending on which path we took. Um, our kids uh, were able to ride water buffalo with some worry. of the people. Um, so that was really good to have them do that. Um, all of our supplies came in on water buffalo sleds uh, pulled behind them. Um, as the years have progressed, uh, the government has put in more and more money into the road, so it definitely has improved. Um, probably 10 months out of the year, you can get in and out. Um, but we are so thankful for our flight service now. What would have been a full day trip mm. um, for us traveling by land from our flight base is now just a 20-minute flight. Wow. And that's, that's huge, you know, to be able to get in there and not be exhausted as soon yeah. as you get into the village. And um, people are always eager to be with you as soon as you get there. Wow, um, the water buffalo. <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm I just went back on that. <laughs> like, song. Yeah. <laughs> yes, literally everybody in Parati has a water buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> and you have kids who probably sing that song the whole time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. How many kids? Okay, so when you first went in, how many? Did you have three kids? So when we went to the Philippines, we had four kids, okay. um, ranging between three and eight years mm-hmm. old. Um, then. We had two kids born in the Philippines. So when we moved into um, our village, we had uh, six kids. Um, so two of them were born in the Philippines. And then a few years later on a furlough, we had number seven. Okay. Um, yeah. Our, thinking about water buffalo, our son, our second son, he 
I'm trying to think how old he was. He was probably 10 when we moved into the village, but he made some friends in there and he had this really good friend that taught him how to ride a water buffalo. He learned how to make all of the noises and all of the different (laughs) movements to be able to get the water buffalo to go wherever he needed it to go. And often in the afternoon, this boy would come home from school and connect with Kyle and be like, okay, let's go move the water buffalo because they had to move it out of the sun and move it to a different location. And it's really fun. It's some great memories that Kyle has of, of doing those kind of things he's probably our our tr- more true filipino kid out of all of them he learned so much oh, i love that so what roles did you have on your church planning team the number one role that i had was being a wife and a mom mm-hmm. and that's definitely challenging some days um, to be there and balance all of that and people want to be with you and talk to you mm-hmm. and being there with our kids um, i learned early on um, from meeting with other senior missionary ladies and hearing their experiences, just how important it is to live out what a godly wife and mom Mm. is daily in the village. And if people can see me, how I'm raising my kids in a godly way, Lord willing, it will show that there is something different that um, is going on in my life. Um, You know, not disciplining my children out of fear you know very often they would be you know raising a stick and yelling at their kids I'm going to hit you if you don't obey me and to teach to show them that I can raise my kids in a godly way in a calm way and have them be obedient children as well without threatening to Mm. to beat them I think it's really cool because um, often we say before you learn the language the people have already watched you for so many months like they you're a living testimony your actions and and that's exactly what you're saying they you might not have been able to communicate them to them the word of god but you were communicating to them god's ways mm-hmm. and how to raise children and so i love that i love that um first of all you saw yourself as a wife and mom and then secondly um, you looked at your ministry and said, okay, what can I do? What's What other things can I do to help bring the gospel? Mm-hmm. And so besides um, taking care of your family, um, what else, how was your language learning um, journey? I always wanted to learn the language. Um, I did get a, a, a chunk of time early on, um, devote, well, Chuck was still working on the house. I did devote some time to some early language. And then I continued to dream that I would um, have more time to be in language study. Um, The Lord blessed us with some homeschool teachers over the years. And I kept thinking, this is going to be my opportunity. And I would often get frustrated with God that those opportunities weren't coming. And it just, it made me not a very good wife and mom in those times where I wanted to do what I wanted to do. And I wasn't seeking God in what he wanted me to do. And he continued to, to lead me to, and remind me that I needed to take care of my husband, um, was really important and not lacking in, in my position as a wife and, um, doing all that he needed me to do, um, and being a mom. And 
I can remember a specific time where I was really upset with the Lord that this wasn't working out, that I could get into more full-time language study. And I was really grouchy and miserable. And I think, how did my family put up with me? Because I was pretty (laughs) miserable. Um, And I was concerned that our homeschool teacher um, was going to be disappointed that she came so that I could be in language study, but then I wasn't in language study. Mm. And I really the Lord just really had to work on my heart and say, you know what? I gave you these children to be a mom to them. You know, this is your job right now. I want you to do that. And when I finally accepted that it was okay to not be in full-time language study, um, or even part-time language study, um, it really gave me such peace and I could just go, okay, Lord, this is what you have for me today. And I talked to this homeschool teacher and she was like, I'm just happy to be here and bless your family in any Aww. way. Um, it has, it's okay if you're not doing that. I'm here because God wants me to be mm-hmm. here and serve your family. And then it's amazing how when you have that peace with the Lord, then he brings about other avenues to be mm-hmm. able to do things. Um, I was involved in some medical work. I have very little medical training, but it's pretty easy to learn how to clean wounds and um, look in ears for ear infections and stuff like that, take blood pressures. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so people would often come for those kind of things. And I would just gradually start learning language that way. And um, Chuck was very busy studying language and he was learning all the farming terms and mm-hmm. I'm learning, you know, different parts of the body or medical terms and stuff like that, that he wasn't learning. So it was really fun to be able to teach him even some of the things I was learning. And God just kept bringing different people into my life. Um, and I would learn a little bit at a time as I went. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you learned a lot from your kids? Because they're playing and hanging out with um, the village kids. So obviously they would be picking up the language. I guess I learned a little bit from mm-hmm. them, but not a lot. Um, one of the things in the Philippines is that the business language is English. So even in elementary school, kids are learning basics of English and they thought it was really great that our kids spoke English. So they would come home from school and they would start practicing mm-hmm. some other English words. Um, so for our kids did not learn language, like I had really dreamt that mm-hmm. they would, um, But I can remember very clearly, um, you know, eight months ago, our 11-year-old daughter playing with one of her 11-year-old friends and listening to the two of them communicate and how much this 11-year-old girl from the village knew English and could communicate with our daughter. And that was going to be huge for her when she decides to go to high school. um, Mm -hmm. There's a lot more English that goes on in school there. And she will be a step ahead of some of her peers because she has played with my girls and learned there. So you guys had your kids with you. How did, did you guys find ways that you could involve your kids in ministry or do you ministry as a family? One of the easy things to get to know people was by having babies. And it just really draws people to you when you have a cute little (laughs) white baby with you. Um, So just being out there with my kids and getting to know people that way, um, I was just reminiscing about um, one of our little girls and hanging out with other moms that had babies the same ages and how some things just um, culturally are the same. And the ladies and I all were laughing that even though I was white and from Canada, I was still, um, holding my baby and bouncing, you know, that little Mm. walk that, and, uh, dance that you do with your babies and they do the same things with their (laughs) babies. And, um, so just being out with people with my kids helps to bridge some relationships. There's always something to talk about when you have kids around you. Um, yeah, we tried to take our kids to be involved with, 
um, different celebrations that were going on in the village, birthdays and um, getting to know um, people in the village that way. And yeah. Do they have large families or do they stick to um, more of a smaller family? Things are changing in the generations. Um, the 20 somethings now very often are sticking to two, maybe three kids. Um, older generations would have had large families. Um, so in some ways we were a little bit odd to them because um, yeah, they thought of us as being very wealthy because of having seven mm -hmm. children um, and the ages that we were, that it was not so common for them anymore. Was that like a government, like a, oh, you should have two per family type thing? No, it was more so that they were starting to be more aware of the cost of educating their children. Mm. And they wanted to provide a better life for their kids. And they figured that if they had seven, eight, nine, ten kids like in the past, mm. they wouldn't be able to send them to school. Um, and so they figured if they just stopped at two kids, then they could provide for them better. Mm. You mentioned having a homeschool helper come a few times. Did you find that beneficial? Would you recommend that to other moms? Absolutely. We had such a great time with our homeschool helpers. We had five different young ladies, oh, wow. um, a total of six years that they taught our kids while we were there. Um, I think it's the only way that I actually learned national language mm -hmm. is that we had a young lady for those two years of national language study teaching my kids. Um, I don't know how I would have been able to balance it. I know other moms do, but I'm not sure that I ever would have. Um, their gifts that they brought to our family was just huge. And my kids loved it. The, you know, who's going to come and teach us, you know, mm -hmm. next. And they hated the goodbyes when they had to say goodbye to them. But I am not an artistic person. And we had many l young ladies that were artistic and taught my kids how to knit or crochet or paint. Um, just different games that they would play like just the blessing that they could be um, on our kids was just so huge um, I highly recommend it to anybody if they have that opportunity start talking to young people now mm -hmm. that you know um, three of the girls were just out of high school and they did great teaching my kids and would they come for a semester or less or like would they stay for a whole school year our goal was a whole school year, so it did vary. We had one that was with us for almost two years, um, two of them that I think were nine months, and then two that were 11 months. So it just depended on who they were and how much time they had, depending on what was going on in their lives. But I was willing to take any amount of time, you know, even if it was a month or two months that yeah. would free me up to do something else um, was a really big help to our family. Over our years of looking for homeschool helpers, we would have some one year and then maybe the next year we wouldn't have one. And in those early years, I learned to really be seeking the Lord in it. Um, there was oftentimes where somebody's name and information would come across to me and maybe their circumstances weren't that great. And I thought, well, if we could do this or that, we could work out the situation to allow them to come and then it would all kind of fall away again. And after a couple of those circumstances, I started going, wow, Lord, this is me trying to make this happen. It's not mm -hmm. you making it happen. And I just had to leave it in the Lord's hands and say, okay, if this is the person you want to come, you will work out all of those details instead of me trying to make it this fit our situation and what we needed. And 
from then on, what peace it gave me to be able to just go, okay, there's another person interested. And we always brought it to our kids. They were excited to be able to pray about somebody being able to come. And we were very open about it with them that, well, maybe they won't join us, but maybe they're going to go somewhere else. And we just want to pray for the Lord's direction in that person's life. And they went through those ups and downs with us. And um, we're just always so excited when somebody new came. And it just really took the pressure off off of you trying to find that perfect someone. Not that um, you were looking for a perfect someone, but you know what I mean? Like trying to control it. And, yeah, for sure. Um, I, I don't know. I just feel like that touches every area of our life. Just wanting to be in control and wanting, you know, to manipulate situations and just, yeah, we we all have that tendency. And then when we just let God do the work we're just so much happier. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's one of those things for me that I think the Lord just continued to teach me as we were there through these school teachers, as I tried to manipulate the situation, as I wanted to be in language study, and I tried to work it all out how I wanted it to be done. And he just kept bringing me back to trust me, walk with me in this. Um, I have a plan, you know, and that was really, um, such a relief off of me when I could walk in that. But he, you know, we wish that we could just um, learn it and be done and and not have to relearn some of these things again. But he did. He continually taught me to just walk with him and trust him. Um, yeah, so it's pretty amazing to the things that we he used in my life. Well, we've had a lot of interviews where we're, you know, talking about really hard things. And so we're going to ask you, what are some of the hardships that you've encountered in ministry and um, some scripture or truths about God that has helped you get through those times? One of the things that was very difficult for our family was early on as we were moving into the Gatdang, um, we had a full team. And before we even moved into the village, one of our teammates um, decided that they were going to do another ministry. And that was very hard to, to see that happen. Um, God totally led them into the perfect ministries, uh, you know, where he wants them to be. But it's still hard to be building up to working together and them not being there. And then in less than a year, um, the single co-worker that was with us, she became very ill and again, was not able to stay with us. And so we spent um, almost a year on our own in the village. And wow. that's a really difficult uh, place to be when you don't have other people to just talk to and yeah. bounce things off of. And everybody's always coming to your doorstep for things. And um, we really had to depend on the Lord in that time. Um, so that was very challenging for us. Um, one of the other things in recent years that has been dif difficult for us is that we had two of our boys uh, here in Canada while we were in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. And it's very difficult to have them away and see them struggle with different things in life and us be over there and not being able to solve their problems for them as we'd often done in the past. And just to walk with the Lord in that and trust him and trust that he will be there for them during that time, that he can see them through it. And he has a plan for their lives too. And so and until you're there, I think experiencing your children being away from you, I think it's very hard to really understand that and how difficult it can be. But God really did get us through it. And we're glad to be home with our boys right now. Mm -hmm. And even just the aspect of just doing life with them, 
Mm-hmm. Like it's their birthday and you just want to be there and make a cake yeah. or yeah, for sure. just celebrate with them and, and yeah. they're not close. You can't just get in the car and go see them. Mm-hmm. I can see how that would be really difficult and you would have internet there, right? In the yeah. Philippines. So you were, were you able to call or text or? Anything? Yeah, we could. Yeah, we could do a little bit of FaceTime mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And and that was really good to be able to do that. But it's just not quite the same as, as being face to face. And, you know, even though they're boys, wrap your arms around them and say, hey, mm-hmm. I love you. And, you know, it was a lot harder than I expected it to be. I don't find myself a very emotional person, but I did really struggle with not being there. Yeah. So just kind of changing gears here, where, where are you at, um, as far as the, the work in the tribe that you were working in? Like, where are they, did, had they presented the gospel yet or? Um, my husband Chuck finished writing lessons, uh, last December, um, the phase one chronological lessons and in the new, so early, uh, 2019, um, he was able to teach those to just one family. Um, just kind of a practice run just to kind of see how they understood things. And shortly thereafter, we left the village to come back to Canada to be with our boys and help our children settle into life here in Canada. So our coworker, Dennis, he's uh, doing a little bit of revisions, working on some of those lessons and uh, getting them in a better shape. And Lord willing, uh, late this year or early next year, he'll start teaching those to families or uh, the village as a whole. So that's kind of where that's at. That's really exciting. It is. Yeah. 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 So once the Bible is completely translated, do you think you'll get a chance to go over there and be there for like the dedication or anything? Well, yeah, there is a New Testament. Yeah, there's, it's not, it's just the lessons that have been done. Cut that mark. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Did Chuck do translation? He did a very tiny bit of... When we went back in 2016, the original thought was he would translate Old Testament mm-hmm. portions and then realize that he hadn't had all of the training that should have went into translating those portions. So we kind of switched gears a little bit and he ended up working with the Ilocano, the trade language okay. for the Old Testament portions. So, and he doesn't know Ilocano, so that's kind of fun too. <laughs> so, oh, <wow. laughs> he knows it more now than he used to. Okay. So we talked about some of your hardships. What are some of your favorite memories or like what, when you think back, like what brings you joy when you think about your time in the got down, right? (laughs) (laughs) Just spending time with people and with ladies and the Lord really brought along some very special ladies in the last couple of years that we were in the village that really were just eager to spend time with me. And they like to just sit and be around each other and they don't have to have a conversation. They can, but they don't have to. And so it was really fun to see these few ladies that would come and spend a lot of time with me and we would sit and we would talk some and there'd be times where we wouldn't talk about much and um, just having coffee together and hanging out with them and finding out what's going on in their lives and really being interested in what's going on with them and their families. And yeah, that was just some really good times Mm -hmm. there. And all of the kids. I loved being around all of the kids and the babies that were there and making special relationships with them. And yeah. So I can just imagine you sitting around the table here in Canada, just reminiscing and talking about it. How has your kids adjusted to being back here in Canada? It's been a little tough depending on the kid, um, finding their place, uh, as 
I said the boys being here ahead of time, um, they have definitely had a, a struggle with things, just figuring out where their place is, making friends here. They haven't had a lifetime of growing up with kids their ages and being friends with them. And so that young adulthood, teenage year, years are a little bit challenging for them to settle in and find their place. Uh, the younger girls have done quite well making friends in their neighborhood. But again, they've been surrounded by other missionary kids. And so they're used to playing with other missionary kids and having that routine of things. And so now they're not around other missionary kids or Christian children raised in Christian homes. And they're finding it quite challenging to navigate some of that relationships. I'm finding it difficult guiding and directing them through that experience. Because you're also going through that. Yeah, yeah, very much, yeah. I think of my boys not having really good friends and then I'm like, well, I don't have that many good friends either because we haven't been here. You know, so many of those people who were friends, you know, that we spent time with 15 years ago, their lives have really moved on and changed very differently. So we're still trying to find our place and fitting in with everybody and everything that's here too. Yeah. So with this transition and um, just this new place that you've, find yourself in here in Canada, how how can we pray for you? What are some of the the ways that we can partner with you to pray for you in this transition? Be praying just for this adjustment, just that we would find that all of our family would find our place, that we would find friends, people that we can connect with, find places to serve. We're just really seeking the Lord right now about how we can be missionaries here in Canada. Um, we often have thought about we're overseas missionaries. Well, now we're here and we know that there are people who need the Lord around us. And so we're just seeking him to find out what the best places are for us to do that and how to do that, um, how to be light in our community around us. Um, that's a, a huge thing for us. And I've just loved that you, like I met you here at Ethnos and I just love how you just jumped right in and started helping with off the grid and all these interested um, young people coming in to go to off the grid and you've had this opportunity to share with them about the Philippines and about mission work and it's not like you came back from the Philippines and just kind of buried yourself you know at home and never reached out and so that's really encouraging Mm -hmm. to me that you you're reaching out to people and Um, definitely it's an adjustment and even this morning just watching your little girl playing in the in the mud she was (laughs) making little mud pies and she's just so friendly and just started chatting with me and it's just so cool to see how your family has just jumped in and helped with the weekends of off the grid and it's just I know that God's gonna go before you and he's gonna use you guys and continue to use you guys and I'm just really excited to see what your next step is going to be. Yeah, it's it's neat to see how God has just been giving us peace in everything that we are doing. And um, even though it's hard and we miss the Philippines, I miss sitting in my hammock in the morning drinking my coffee. It's not quite the same sitting uh, in my bedroom looking out the window with it being cold outside. Mm-hmm. I, I very much uh, miss that, but I just have the sense of peace from the Lord that this is where he has us right now and that he has a place for us here, a place, uh, a way for us to serve and be a part 
um, here. Um, we have loved Off the Grid so much. We love to see our girls serving and being a part of that here. And it's really encouraging to our hearts. So for, for women who are preparing to move overseas and have young kids, what words of advice would you give to them as they're about, like they're on the other side of the journey, they're about to go for the, on the field. What advice would you share with them? Like with maybe, oh, how am I going to do this with kids? Or how are they going to transition? Are they going to hate me for taking them overseas? Do you have words of advice to share? I, maybe it sounds cliche, but just always seeking the Lord in it every step of the way. And um, as you go through each step and each struggle, seek the Lord in it. And things can change as your kids grow and your ministry changes and just always seeking him and saying, okay, Lord, what do you have for me next? Um, daily, weekly, monthly, you know, just continuing to seek him, um, in what he has for you and trusting him to open the doors for those opportunities to minister to other people and to minister to your kids in that environment. Um, and I yeah. think that's just like a huge lesson across the board for all of us that he's using um, me to be that light mm -hmm. that my neighbors need to see. And I think yeah. that's just amazing. And it really does sum up mission work. It actually sums up motherhood. Because mm. <laughs> honestly, there's days where you're like, why all I've done is change diapers do the dishes and maybe the laundry, or maybe all I've done is feed my kids and read stories. Mm -hmm. And how can that be God honoring? Mm -hmm. But it is because yeah. that's what God has us do. Absolutely. For sure. It doesn't matter what season of life we're in, whether we're just starting off and we have young children or we've sent our, you know, firstborn off to college. Mm -hmm. He has us in that particular season yeah. and we're just to bring glory glory to him yeah that's yeah. the bottom line yeah. and it's so easy to look to the next missionary or the next lady and say well yeah. she has that and she's getting the language way faster than yeah. i am um and comparison is it, it will just kill you yeah for sure yeah yeah and it's it's all around you on the mission field too just looking at other moms doing it. I've watched other moms be so much more successful in learning multiple languages. And I'm like, oh, well, I haven't done that. Um, but that's just not the plan that God had for me at that time. And it's, um, it's my relationship with him and what he has for me. And it will be different for every mom, wherever you are, whatever season you are at in life. Well, thank you for coming. Thank you for sitting down with Lauren and I, and I just really enjoyed hearing your story and learning more about the Gatdong people. No, got, no. Oh, <laughs> the, the Gatdong. Well, thank yeah. you so much for having me. Today, Shannon mentioned Off the Grid, which is a missions weekend for college groups and youth and families. For more information about Off the Grid, you can visit ethnos.ca slash OTG. Again, you can follow us on Instagram at, at compelpodcast. Thanks for joining us today. Mm -hmm.